Hey everybody, thanks so much for joining me again for another episode of Family Wealth and Other Musings. I am your host, Becky Easton, and today is Wednesday, so that means we are talking business. And I'm bringing you the second half of the 10 pitfalls to avoid with your company's legal agreements. And so if you didn't get a chance to hear um, pitfalls one through five last week, head on back to that podcast episode and get your learn on there. And you know, guys, DIYing is not always a terrible idea, but so often results in terrible things and unintended consequences. Agreements are the heart of your business, right? Indeed, your entire business is one vast series of agreements. Agreements with investors and lenders, clients and vendors, employees and contractors, as well as partners and customers. Yet, despite the critical role they play in a company's success, far too many business owners fail to take their agreements seriously. Whether you're winging it by creating your own agreements or using cheap DIY legal agreements purchased online, Failing to treat your legal agreements with the respect they deserve can seriously cost you. In fact, just one poorly constructed agreement could end up costing you tens of thousands of dollars in attorney's fees or even put you out of business entirely. So last week, as I mentioned, in part one of this series, I talked about the first five of 10 pitfalls that can put your company in serious jeopardy if you take the DIY route with your legal agreements. So today in part two... I want to cover the remaining five pitfalls that you're likely to encounter when going it alone. And as a reminder, as always, this podcast is not legal advice for you. This is meant as information, uh, education for you. And if you do have questions, um, I highly encourage you to speak with a personal family lawyer. You can reach out to one near you by going to personalfamilylawyer.com. And when it comes to all your business matters, definitely reach out to a family business lawyer. And you can find uh, family business lawyers at familybusinesslawyer.co. And we're nice and friendly and we want to help you. And so I encourage you to reach out and at least ask a question. You know, have someone review the agreement to let you know um, what, I mean, you don't know what you don't know, right? And a lot of times there, when I'm working with my business clients, I know I'll point out things that matter to me uh, a little bit or um, that I know have mattered to prior clients or or things like that. And it, then it's up to you as the client, really, to decide kind of what you're going to accept or not. And when you don't have that extra set of eyes on the document, that extra person you're having that conversation with, better yet when it's an expert, like an attorney, right, you're just not going to get um, maybe the same understanding of it. And that is one thing that I have just felt passionate is not the word for it. Um, what's the word I want to use? 
Um, that's something I just feel really strongly about is that if you do not understand the agreement that you are signing, do not sign it. Do not sign it. Ask questions until you are happy and you understand. And if it feels bad in any way, don't do it or get clarity until it does feel good. So let's jump back into it with number six, um, failure to give yourself an out. So in addition to terminating an agreement due to a breach, you do want to consider how the relationship might end due to any number of other circumstances. And by giving yourself a clear exit strategy, rather than being caught off guard or surprised when things change, the relationship can successfully adapt to the transition with ease. For example, when you're entering into agreement with a a new business partner, you should think about and plan for all of the ways you each might potentially exit the business. What would happen in the event you decide to sell? What would happen if the business failed and you had to close your doors? What will happen when one or both of you dies or if one of you becomes incapacitated? You need to get clear about all these eventualities and then document them in the appropriate agreements, including your operating agreement, bylaws, and or maybe the buy-sell agreement. And moreover, it's best to prepare these agreements and your exit strategy early on in the relationship when you're still on good terms and have high hopes for the relationship's future. Otherwise, it's likely going to be much more difficult to agree on a solution without dealing with unnecessary conflict and, in the worst cases, costly litigation just to get yourself out of the relationship. As a personal family lawyer with business planning expertise, we can ensure that your agreements provide you with that clear exit strategy that will allow you to get out of the relationship with the least conflict, liability, and expense possible. Seven, the number seven pitfall is the failure to address conflict resolution. So along with having an exit strategy, your agreements should also address how to resolve any disputes that may arise, preferably without resorting to litigation, which is ideally a last resort. And to this end, consider adding terms to your agreement that require alternative dispute resolution processes like mediation or arbitration before either party can file a lawsuit. And by including a clause requiring mandatory mediation or arbitration in your agreements, you can have better control of potential disputes before they occur. And you can help ensure contractual conflicts are handled in the most productive manner possible without getting stuck battling one another in court. Number eight, not protecting your intellectual property. Your intellectual property is among your company's most valuable assets. And as such, it needs to be fully protected in your legal agreements. And this is especially important when working with independent contractors. Unlike employees, with whom you generally own automatic copyrights to everything they produce while working for you, contractors typically retain full copyrights to their work, unless they've signed a written agreement stating otherwise. And in fact, if you don't have properly drafted agreements in place, you may not even own the work you're paying someone else to produce for you. So to secure the ownership of your IP, you want to include work for hire and copyright assignment clauses in every contractor's agreement to ensure you actually own the work you're paying for. And yes, this means every single person, 
even those you may have worked with for years without a single problem. Beyond contractors, it's vital to ensure your IP is protected from all other potential threats, like competitors, clients, and even partners. From filing for trademarks and copyrights on all of your IP, to adding limitations on use provisions to your agreements with clients and customers, and including clauses that assign ownership rights of IP brought into the company by partners to your business, rather than the partners themselves, in your operating agreements or bylaws, you can ensure that your agreements include the necessary terms to ensure your IP has the maximum protection possible. Number nine pitfall is agreeing to broad indemnities favoring the other party. When you indemnify another party in an agreement, you're agreeing to compensate them for any losses they incur in specific circumstances. Such terms can also force you to compensate the other party if something you do or fail to do causes the other party to experience a loss, damages, or a lawsuit from a third party. And often these indemnification provisions are buried in boilerplate that you aren't reading and wouldn't even necessarily understand if you did read the terms. But in all of the rarest cases, you really never want to agree to indemnify the other party against all possible claims related to the product or services you provide. So to prevent that, be sure to have a competent attorney reviewing your legal agreements before you're signing them to ensure that you're not getting stuck paying for things that the other party should be responsible for. And number 10, becoming a personal party to an agreement. So listen closely, guys, and practice it without fail. Never, ever sign a legal agreement for your business in your own name. Every legal agreement you enter into for your business should be signed in your company's name, not yours. By signing an agreement in your own name, you're placing your personal assets at risk, even if you typically enjoy liability protection because your company is set up as a limited liability company or a corporation. As with mixing personal and business finances and failing to abide by administrative formalities, signing a company agreement in your name is one of the instances where your corporate veil can be pierced allowing creditors to come after your personal assets and to settle a claim against your business, even if you have an LLC or a corporation set up. Every legal, every legal agreement, no matter how seemingly minor or trivial it may appear, should be signed in your company's name rather than your own. And while you're at it, make a commitment to never sign a legal agreement without ever having an attorney review it first. Just as you would never try to wire your office's electrical systems yourself if you weren't an experienced electrician, you shouldn't try to do the same with your company's legal agreements by acting as if you're a lawyer. But when it comes to such critical components of your business, you should always consult with a licensed and experienced professional like a personal family lawyer or a family business lawyer. You know, whether you need new agreements created or want to have someone review agreements that you already have, reach out. Find a personal family lawyer near you, personalfamilylawyer.com, or go over to familybusinesslawyer.co and find a family business lawyer near you. We'll help you and support you to create clear, concise agreements, and also to implement an agreement process that will allow you to be more effectively navigate the inevitable changes that take place in every relationship. 
while dealing with conflict in a way that's both healthy and productive. So reach out today to learn more. So if you are in Arizona or Colorado and wanted to discuss this further with me, you could reach out and get on my calendar by calling my front office at 480-999-4455 and schedule a 15-minute consult with me and see if this is something that I may be able to work with you on. And I otherwise just hope that this was some good information for you today. Um, Legal agreements are not nearly used enough, (laughs) I think, as much as they should be. Uh, We still do tend to rely periodically on just that handshake and and a smile, right? Um, But don't do that. Vow that you are going to document things. It really is just... A, a way, to, good way to think about it, I think, is just what you're just memorializing what you talked about, right? It doesn't have to be kind of an adversarial process. I think that's how asking someone to sign an agreement uh, can sound sometimes, um, or that's the story we tell ourselves, right? But it's more about acknowledging that, well your memory is going to change a little bit down the line and you just might not remember the terms exactly. And so it's best to just put it down on paper, make sure everybody's on the same page and from the get-go. Guys, do that for me. Make Start making agreements and don't sign them in your own name. And with that, I will leave you until tomorrow. This has been another episode of Family Wealth and Other Musings and I am your host, Becky Easton. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a great day.